Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Marco. Sean. Show me your card, man. I don't know. I I don't have I wanna, my. I want to know who I want to know who you are. I don't. I, I wish I knew. <laughs> you know. I can't tell from looking at you. I have to look at, at a card. Uh, to see that. You know, I, identity is not what it used to be, Sean. It's so not. I don't. I don't know if I am. If I am who I think I am, or who <laughs> they say I am. So I don't even know who you are. I what I know is that I know our guest. But can he prove that he is who he is? Uh, that's that's for us to figure out, I guess. Let, let's uh, let's see if the the tests are uh, are passed. Rohit guy, it's good to uh, it's good to have you on the show. It's been a while. We missed you. How are things? Things are great, Sean and Marco. Always a great pleasure to be with you guys. And uh, I sensed an identity crisis of some sorts in that opening dialogue. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, absolutely, identity is no longer what it used to be. Absolutely, and you guys will just have to guess during our conversation if this is the real me or if it's a deep fake of me kind of you know pretending right. to be me so we'll, right. we'll keep you guessing but you know, it's not only the idea of really knowing who we are but also the idea that identity as a concept it's maybe different now in our digital society where you know you could have multiple identity but at the end you know, how how do you even manage that, uh, especially with new technologies? I, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation, and I, I know it's at the core of your presentation during RSA conference, which that's why we're here. This is uh, one of our chats on the road to tease fantastic talk uh, keynotes happening there. And uh, so we, we want to dig in into what, why did you choose this topic to start with? Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, look, my talk is titled uh, The Looming Identity Crisis. And the reason I chose this, it's a, it's a play on words a little bit, uh, because I think there are two things that are happening in the cybersecurity industry. First, identity is, uh, I think, getting the right, its rightful place in the world of cybersecurity. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, gained in prominence, waned in prominence and, and all that. But I think, I think increasingly people are realizing that it deserves sort of enough emphasis from a cybersecurity perspective. So that's one idea. The other idea, which is not lost on any of us, is all the, all the rage about artificial intelligence and, and this uh, emergence of the AI revolution with the, uh, you know, this enormous power, the genies out of the bottle, AI is now available uh, very broadly and pervasively, both to the good guys and the bad guys. So the confluence of, in the confluence of those two mega trends, identity becoming center stage in cybersecurity and AI becoming a very powerful, mainstream, highly available technology. What does that mean for, for you and I and all the humans in the world of cybersecurity and identity? What do identity professionals do? How do they prepare for this sort of future that looms? That's really what I want to hit on. That's what I want to speak to our audience about. And I'll kind of, you know, I'll 
put some ideas as food for thought for the audience. I would not prefer to have all the answers, but uh, you know, it's a discussion. Marco does. Marco has all the answers, so we'll just <laughs> let him, we'll let him roll with it. Now, and I want to want to take a moment because I've I've seen this space uh, transform over the years, and the, the role of identity in what it is and what it's for and who manages it, and I mean, if you look at business versus personal, things change. I know I've had some discussions where kids have multiple identities, right? for different social media platforms. I know I have a few myself that I do uh, do certain things with uh, to, to run the, the magazine. And the, I guess, old olden days, it was about access. And we, we talked a little bit about this before we, before we jumped on. But what's its role today? How's it transformed? And, and maybe how has it changed how businesses and security leaders and security practitioners look at identity when they're building yeah. out their programs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, I think um, I think we've gone through kind of an evolution of our expectations from an identity platform. And we've always had to juggle and balance sort of three aspects of it. You know, there's the access aspect, like give this actor on the network, uh, you know, access to the resources that they need and make it, you know, the second aspect. So access is one dimension. The second dimension is always, and this, this, you know, came to for, for, especially when we started to use mobile devices is the idea of convenience. Okay. Give me access, but don't make it super clunky or inconvenient for me to gain access. Don't get in the way. And then of course, the third is security. Um, and you know it's it's a balance between these three dimensions that we've always had to had to navigate. And my sense is similar to the, you know, if you think about the smartphone analogy again, you know, uh, uh, we call it a smartphone, yeah, but the phoning aspect is just a feature at this point. We use the, that device to access the internet. So the name belies kind of doesn't do full justice to what the device is. So I think the term identity and access management no longer does justice to the core purpose of what identity should be, which I think is security. The whole reason it exists is to assure security because this is identity is the new perimeter Identity is kind of, you know, the, the only reason it exists is to assure security. Of course, convenience and of course, access our capabilities and features that are very important. But um, I think that's the evolution that people are, again, when I say identity center stage again, what I mean is people are realizing that we need to take a security first orientation to the problem of identity. And speaking of identity crisis, I mean, our, is our phone us? <laughs> and, and then that kind of leads me to, and that, that might be from a B2C perspective, how do we identify with services we're, in, we're engaging with? We use that as a second factor, third factor off. It's, it's how we actually gain access is through that device. And it leads me to into the business uh, for employees and partners and things like that, where we're setting up these complex systems that are yes accessed by people 
but we're also heavily reliant on applications and APIs and services and microservices and open source things that are acting on our behalf. And kind of to your point earlier, where we have AI and machine learning kind of driving mm-hmm. decisions for us and then taking action for us. Do we even have an identity in that world yeah. <laughs> or is it the machine? Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, look the, the identity landscape has become enormously complex. And one dimension that you touched on, Sean, is just this infusion of machine identities, right? There is so much automation in the world that there is proliferation of sort of these machine identities in the network that are acting on our behalf. And these actors are powerful. We give them a lot of entitlement. So governing the enti- those entitlements um, is a huge, huge, is hugely important. The second aspect of complexity is our IT resources have, they used to be localized, they used to be in the data center, they used to be on our laptops. The resources that we govern, so proliferation of human and machine actors. There's two, you know, probably five of you, Sean, including an identity that you use to kind of, you know, or, or like I, in, my, in my case, I need a separate identity to, of course, there's work and life. And on the life side, I need a separate identity in order to befriend my teenage daughter. Otherwise, she wouldn't let me befriend her on any social media platform, right? So I need an identity just for that purpose. So a huge number of identities, uh, both machine and human. On the resource side, things are floating, things are moving to the cloud, and things are also becoming very granular. We manage things at a microservice level, right? It's no longer about governing access to a server, not a monolithic concept, but within the application, even inside the application, you want to govern at a microservice level. So it's this explosion of like both on the uh, kind of the identity side as well as the resource side and then mapping all those entitlements. It's a massive problem. And I like to say it's a superhuman problem at this point because just a human cannot map all these relationships and manage them in any kind of sensible way. You know, I, I love that you went there because I want to kind of dissect the the title of the talk, which is the looming identity crisis, and really looking into how what you mean when you refer to a crisis. And and I want to pinpoint this because I, I say many times when we look at things from a philosophical perspective, I joke that since when we talk about AI, we talk about you know the 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 application of it, but it's also a moment that we, it's not just about the technology. I feel like ethics and philosophers have never mm-hmm. been so involved in technology yeah. like it's nowadays. So the fact that you choose crisis, I'm very curious to know what the, you know, from what angle are you, yeah. you going to talk about it? No, thank you, Marco. And absolutely. And let me slide by saying what I'm not going to talk about. If you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're thinking what I mean by identity crisis is the leakage of a national database of identities or the leakage of, you know, like the uh, high value individual's identity, like a, a, a sort of a president of a nation and their access to all the power they wield. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the role of humans in this world of superhuman intelligence, artificial intelligence, and, and this confusion we have about our role, the role of humans in that world. Are we going to be relevant anymore? 
right? If, if identity is indeed, if we believe that identity is indeed a superhuman problem, then what are humans to do? What is our role? And, and that's the kind of the core crux of the topic. It's a very complicated topic because I think at this point, the genie's out of the bottle. People expect machines to have superhuman intelligence. That's, you know, it's just a matter of time until we get to artificial general intelligence. But the, the problem of how do we align that intelligence to human values in AI literature, they call it the alignment problem. So it's no, it's no longer about solving the intelligence problem. We have sophisticated algorithms. We have you know, huge amounts of data and enormous computing power to drive superhuman intelligence. It's this alignment issue of aligning that intelligence with human values and objectives is a very difficult problem. And I think we humans have to make sure we <laughs> pay enough attention to that aspect to make sure we get good outcomes in a world where we remain relevant and we continue to have a symbiotic relationship with, uh, with technology and AI. Well, for me, that always comes with, uh... I mean, I was an engineer and, and, and building products, and we always talked about the the user story, right? Yeah. What, what 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 are we trying to accomplish? What are the boundaries within within that accomplishment? Do we want to stay? Do we need to stay because we're obliged to ethically or morally or uh, lawfully? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, how how do well? I don't know if you can maybe give us a little sneak peek of the story you're going to share. But how how do users story change in the business to where security leaders need to say okay th this is these are the places where my story no longer looks like it did two years ago or like it will look yeah. in two years time uh, therefore yeah. here's what we need to do yeah absolutely you know i i i, I draw the analogy you know, as we all grow in our careers sean and marco we you know in the initial phases of our careers we're very focused on doing stuff ourselves. We take pride, the way we associate, <laughs> the way we think about identity and our self-worth is about what did we accomplish? Right? That's, we put a lot of emphasis on that. As we mature through our careers, we start to change and we start to say, what did I, uh, what did I empower others to do? What did I teach others to do? And I think in, in, in this world, of identity, it's similar and this AI and human identity crisis. I think it's a similar thing where an identity professional today might associate their self-worth based on the number of attestations or entitlement changes or kind of, you know, detecting risky or, uh, you know, kind of um, uh, access or suspicious access, network access activity. That's how they define their self-worth. I think all of those activities whether we like it or not, are going to be automated and will transform. So the, the job of the identity professional will be assisted with AI where instead of the human having to do all this stuff, we'll switch to more of a, more of a monitoring supervisory role where they, they look at, okay, here are the top three decisions I need to make, right? So the AI will say, look, you arrive at your desk, AI says, uh, hello, Rohit, you as the identity professionals, here's your workbench for the day. 
here are the top three entitlement requests that have the highest impact, right? If you were to approve these, these would be the highest impact ones. So I want you to, and I, this is my recommended action. I have a recommended action for you, but I want you to take a look and make sure you agree. And here's why I have made this. So, you know, there is also the idea of explainability. One of the challenges we face with AI is a lot of times AI comes up with an answer, but we can't discern why. And so we'll need to address that alignment problem and that explainability problem. So in this, call it the co-pilot model where the AI is helping me as an identity professional, it'll tell me, here's what I'm recommending, here's, here's why, or here's a why which, which you might understand as a human and do you approve or not. So it'll manage my workbench in a way such that I focus on the high value problems or supervise those decisions as opposed to actually doing those decisions, right? So it's a, it's a mentor, it's a supervisory role. It's a, we have to get comfortable with this new identity of ours in terms of this, you know, our job is changing. Whether we like it or not, we have to accept that and find comfort in that and prepare for that. Yeah. Uh, so. and, as, and as you're describing that, Rohit, I'm, I'm picturing an orchestra and there's a, there's a conductor, right? And you don't want the, the, the brass section to chime in when uh, it, it's a soft wind, uh, woodwind uh, solo. <laughs> it's, it's just not going to work. So you, you want somebody yeah. there. Of course, people... All the people in the orchestra kind of know where they are and how loud they should be and and, and all of that, but the the conductor really keeps them all mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so you look for the baton wave and it says it's your turn go you have you're that person you're that you're that role go for it, and it's not the conductor just standing there waiting for the brass yeah. player to to play and go hey. I did say to play. So I, I think to me, it's, I love it's, that analogy. You know, I love analogies. Orchestration. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 <laughs> no, that's great. I love that analogy and absolutely right. It's, you know, one could argue that what is the conductor doing at the end of the day? They're not playing any instrument, but they're so consequential to the harmony of the overall picture, right? And the, and the music too is sound good. Yeah. You, you, you reinterpret that. I was actually to stick with that, but I have another point, but uh, I was looking at how uh, if, you know, a very popular music service, it just started one dedicated to classical music because the way they were cataloging catalogs and researching regular music when it's played by an artist. So it's easy, it's kind of like the genre, but when you talk about classical music, who is the conductor who is the uh, soloist who are the people because it's not actually the author of the music that is playing it. You're not searching Bach. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're not gonna find Bach playing, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I can see where Sean is going, but I was thinking about when you use the the smartphone idea, and it makes me mm-hmm. think about God. Yes, we're still saying smartphone, but we're also still saying horsepower to say how much power there is in an engine, <laughs> which goes back to the 1700 with the steam engine and that we need a reference in the real world to actually make it an abstract concept to work. So the, the, this brings me to maybe one important question, which is, are we going through this cultural change, embracing technology in our society, in the right way, or we're still too driven by technology and not thinking the way we can help society to absorb this new way to look at AI and not be fearful 
but welcoming in a new identity. So I, I don't know if it's very yeah. philosophical, but I, I would love your opinion on it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take inspiration from, there's a recent dialogue on this exact topic, Marco, which was the 60 minute section with Sundar Pichai, where they talked about AI and Google's AI. And, uh, you know, when Sundar was asked the question, similar question, he said, look, what keeps me optimistic is that there are a lot of people who are worrying about you know, the ethical aspect of AI or the preparedness aspect of humans. And while I agree with Sundar that that's a great thing, I don't think there are enough people acting on it yet. There are a lot of people worried about it. There's a lot of media and you guys are, you know, helping out a lot in terms of making sure there is attention being placed on this topic. But that attention needs to translate to action soon enough because there will be this hunger for power the power that the AI yields, everybody will be attracted to it because of the massive productivity gains. If we can do what we could do, you know, what would take, you know, 5,000 PhDs, 20 years to accomplish in the protein folding example, if we could do that in a matter of three months, of course, we're going to be attracted to it. So it'll, it'll be this massive sucking sound, which will draw all the attention towards that. And as such, while we may be worrying about this ethical thing or this preparedness thing, we may not act on it enough. Mm. So I almost feel like some regulatory activity or some mandatory, some, some form of mandates to make sure, you know, um, that, that there is enough action and not just attention placed on that topic actually manifests. And look, I've, I've traditionally been sort of wary uh, uh, of regulatory activity, but in this case, I think we are treating new ground. And, you know, I go back to my time frame as a kid using sci-fi novels and Isaac Asimov's kind of no novels about robotics and the, you know, the four laws of robotics and, and all that. I mean, we need, you know, laws of AI and these governance type things to ensure that action actually happens. Otherwise it will not because there'll be so much investment, venture funding and everything else on just productivity that I think we'll lose, lose focus on the other point. <clears throat> and do we need uh, laws of identity? <laughs> I mean, some, some countries have, have taken pretty, pretty mm -hmm. forward looking steps even many years ago to have national identities that are digital and, and are we, are we kind of missing the mark there globally on that front, do you think? I believe we are. I would be very happy with just one law of identity, Sean, which is yeah. <laughs> let's get rid of passwords. Just that one law. You know, if you pass that law, I'm happy, dude. I'm very happy. And look, we've talked about the death of passwords. We now have passwordless technology that I think is, is, is industrializable. Uh, and yet the reliance on passwords continues and, you know, 83% of cyber incidents on the back of compromised credentials. Like what, what more proof point do we need to actually, <laughs> you know, mandate some of this. So uh, again, it's a matter of uh, sort of passion for me. And, and, uh, but I absolutely agree on the identity space. There are some clear, <laughs> clear set of things that ought to be sort of more mandates versus guidelines. Yep. Otherwise we're going to end up in an identity crisis.
You got it. I didn't say it. You said it, John. <laughs> and it's looming. Right. It's looming. According to the, uh, the, the the keynote session title, it's looming, that crisis. And uh, Rohit, you, you always do an amazing job. We've seen you speak many, many times. And we, we love your stories. And we love the the inspiration and the insight. And to your point, the, the action ability, if that's a word, um, the, the ability for folks who listen to you and, and see what you present. Uh, the opportunity to to take action with what you share, and um, I mean we're we're going to be in Moscone West for most of the week. We're in Broadcast Alley uh, a lot of the time, and and we wrap up one of our sessions in time to see your keynote. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm very excited for that. That uh, is Monday the 24th, 3:33 local uh, time, Pacific time there, Moscone West Street level, and uh, the the big room there. We're looking forward to seeing you, Rohit. Any, any final thoughts, uh, any, anything else you want to tease for folks to, uh, to come when they see you? Uh, no, but I just appreciated the opportunity to, uh, uh, to meet and speak to you guys and, um, and looking forward to saying hello on Broadcast Alley. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very uh, exciting time in our industry. And I want to thank you and the broader ecosystem for coming together at the conference and supporting supporting the cause of creating a community of good guys because we need to band together in order to have a shot at beating the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you again. Always a pleasure. And uh, Always. Look to seeing you guys. Yep. Absolutely. And Sean, don't forget your business card to get your press pass. I know. They want to know who you are. Uh, they, they need my business card now. If mm-hmm. only I had business cards. If I only maybe, we had maybe it. One, <laughs> maybe one phone around somewhere. <laughs> we'll just show a podcast. That's right. Well, well Rohit, the is, pleasure. Oh, yeah. uh, we're really looking forward to, to say hi in person. And uh, and for those that never heard you speak, uh, it's yeah. a real treat. Uh, it always fascinated. So thank you again. Thank you. And for those care, listening, guys. you don't need an identity to, uh, to watch this and all the, all the coverage we have. So stay tuned. ITSBmagazine.com forward slash RSAC for many things happening, including Broadcast Alley stuff. And links to uh, Rohit's keynote session, his social profile, so you can connect with him there. And uh, again, Rohit, thanks. We'll see you there. All right. See ya. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG 24.